Hey, one more thing before you go. What if you could identify your birth chart to identify your core nature? How would you like to really understand your soul, which is the deepest part of you and connect with that deeper level? Which brings about the question, does our soul live on in eternity for some purpose that only we can achieve? Stay tuned. In this episode, we're going to have a conversation with a man that can answer all of these questions and more, as well as learn about a new radical revision of the 12 sun signs. I'm your host, Michael Hurst. Welcome to One More Thing Before You Go. My guest in this episode is Mark Borax. He's been collecting adventures and spiritual wisdom as a poet, a writer, a world traveler, and finally an astrologer since the late 1970s. His journey into astrology began with his apprenticeship under Elias Lonsdale, an experience which inspired Mark's first best-selling book, 2012 Crossing the Bridge to the Future, which told the story of his life with Elias. He continued writing, encouraged by his childhood idol turned friend, Ray Bradbury, we got a lot to talk about, and used his growing astrological knowledge to co-author his second book, Cosmic Weather Report with Elias, a book that inspires readers to rethink the whole purpose of humankind and bring in a new future. Mark is dynamic and provocative author, a counselor, a teacher, a public speaker, a musician, a songwriter whose humorous compassion and startling insights inspire others to awaken their soul force. This is going to be a great conversation. His third book, the Ruby Heart of the Dragon, which contains a radical revision of the 12 sun signs, is available on ebook. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And welcome to the show, Mark. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I mean, what a journey in life uh, to be able to, especially for what you do for people to connect their soul to themselves so they really understand where their soul comes from, where it is now, and where it needs to go. Yeah. Yeah. Everything I do comes down to that. Well, I think that, you know, it is it is an invaluable asset for us to have the knowledge and a deeper understanding of our soul. Because we, in my opinion, at least, and we'll talk about this, I think our soul has lived in the past and it will continue to live on after we leave this earth and, and, and then come back in, in, in a, and do it again. I think that we, having a better understanding of our soul allows us to really understand true purpose. So let's talk about that here in a few minutes. But first, let's talk about you. Where'd you grow up? Well, a few different places. I was born in New York City, but moved to Stratford, Connecticut when I was nine years old in the early 1960s, and then grew up mostly in Connecticut. But I had the itch at the, in the late 1960s, early 1970s, when I was 16 years old, I hitchhiked from Connecticut to San Francisco and um, really had a, a change of heart, change of mind, um, so that when I came back to finish high school, I, I never quite came back to the same state of mind that I had left. Yeah, that makes, I'm, I understand that. Uh, the, you know, all of us all, I mean, that's a long journey to hitchhike from one side of the country to the other. That must have been a journey in itself. Yeah, it was one of my many hitchhiking journeys up and down the eastern seaboard and uh, across the coast from, from east to west. Where it, I really learned in those hitchhiking days 
that there's no one kind of person you should trust and one kind you shouldn't trust. Because in the South, as a long-haired hippie kid, I got picked up by state police. I got picked up by truck drivers, by Marines, by pot dealers. And wow. all across the board, I found there was a lot more good than bad out there in the world. Well, I, and, I, and I, I understand that from my perspective, my old profession especially, because I, you know, I saw the worst people. I saw people at their worst. I saw the best people at their worst. But I also saw compassion and understanding. And I saw love, and I saw people who cared, in in you know from all levels, whether you be poor, rich, middle class, whether you're black, white, Asian, brown. You, I saw it from all the different levels, just like you did, not as extensively as this. What a journey! I mean, that's it's got to be amazing to have a life experience like that. Well, I call it the school of the road because I was always restless in high school, especially during the 1960s. I identified very strongly with the whole uh, revolution in consciousness, the whole love generation, the hippies. You know, I went to concerts, I dropped acid, I, I studied uh, what was happening politically. And what I found out by putting my thumb up and going out on the road was, was uh, the mystery of life. It really, if you, I had, you know, for every, 50 incredibly positive experiences I maybe had one bad experience on the road and some of that might be as a reflection of what I was putting out I I was trusting people but I wasn't uh naive or gullible and uh and I learned a lot from from just you know the school of the road yeah that, that I think school the the school of life sometimes teaches just better lessons than than any university could ever teach us because it allows us to get a deeper understanding of how we are all connected as human beings in one way or another. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, at, you know, I did end up going to college a few different times, but I think I was a, one of the last generation who, in those days, you some of us still went to college to learn something. Right. And like right after the 1960s and 70s, that almost became a lost cause because people went to school as job training. They didn't go to learn things. Yeah. I only I went to school to learn. I learned how to act. I learned more how to write, uh, you know, and I learned a bit about psychology. So I think eventually I probably used those skills in my astrology work. I would think, yeah, I would, I would think that would help you from that perspective. Did you have any inclinations what you want to be when you grew up? I mean, we all know where you're at now. You've created an amazing environment for people to be, to be educated and to to learn and to understand themselves from a deeper level. Um, but but had you always wanted to go that direction, or would, did you have another another calling in the beginning? I knew that I was a writer from about eight or nine years old. I, I even saw a future. When I was nine years old in Connecticut, I saw a future where I was a successful author in San Francisco. And I don't know why San Francisco, because I lived in Connecticut, but it turned out that the, the first publisher to actually publish my, my first mass market book was out by San Francisco. So turned out that the, the vision was correct. So I, I always knew I was a writer, but throughout my teens and 20s and 30s and 40s, it seemed like it was taking an awful long time for that to happen. So I just, I just kept plugging along. Yeah, I think you know some of us, some of us, it takes a little bit longer to really understand where our placement in life is. Sometimes we have to reinvent our life in the middle of it. 
as everybody knows from my story. You know, I, I had a direction that I thought I was supposed to be, and I really enjoyed that direction. I gained a lot of experience from it. And then I was forced with reinventing my purpose, and and I found that uh, I had a different calling. And it was just given, it, it was given to me at a point in my life where I, I needed it, I think. And sometimes the universe does that to us, doesn't it? Well, you can't always get what you need, what you want, but you get what you need, right? I, great <laughs> statement. Great statement. <laughs> Let's talk about Elias. How'd you meet Elias? Uh, his name's pronounced Elias. Elias, and I'm sorry. El it's okay. Almost everybody does that. Um, I had studied astrology on my own for four years. This was in the 1980s. I hadn't gone to any classes. Uh, I, there were no online classes at that point that I knew of. I hadn't gone to any talk, but I had spent four years studying my first astrology book, Alan Oaken's Astrology. And I, uh, at the very uh, end of that period of four years, I started to think for the first time, maybe I could learn how to do this as a profession. That's not why I got into it. I was just interested as a passion because uh, my girlfriend at the time, when I was living in Burlington, Vermont, for my uh, 29th uh, birthday, she got me my first astrology book, and it blew my mind. And at the very end of those years, I thought maybe I could do this for someone else. Another friend of mine, I was living in Berkeley, California, said she just gotten a reading from this wizard who blew her mind. And she said, I got to get a reading from this guy. Two months went by before I could get my appointment. And then I got a reading from him. And that totally turned my whole life around. And at the end of that reading, I said to myself, I don't know what this guy just did for me, but I want to learn how to do that for others. And I kept bugging him. And a couple years later, I finally ended up apprenticing to him. And we started a little mystery school under the 400 foot tall redwood trees in the Santa Cruz mountains. And that's where I learned uh, my craft. The underneath those kind of trees, I think would be a, a really, really positive way to connect with nature. Yeah. And that became the story of my first book, which isn't an astrology book. It's a memoir, a mystical memoir, 2012, Crossing the Bridge to the Future. It tells the story of my apprenticeship and my, my crazy adventures in love and sex and astrology. You know, you, uh, you mentioned something earlier, if you don't mind if we can touch upon that. You said that he was a wizard. Can we, can we talk a little bit on that? Yeah, I, I use that term specifically rather than casually because most astrologers, I get the impression that they're doing astrology. Like some people go to church on Sunday and then the rest of the week, they're just, you know, they don't give a shit. They're just, they're, they, don't, they don't care at all. And I think most astrologers are like that. They have their life and then they do astrology. This guy dwelled in a deep, powerful, magical existence in a cottage in the forest with his wife. And then once a week, they opened the doors to that cottage and let the rest of us in on it, those of us who came to study. And so his whole life was a kind of magic and wizardry. And it was as far evolved from most astrology as Jimi Hendrix was from most guitarists. It, wow. it took me a long time 
for my mind to catch up to what Jimi Hendrix was laying down. Because the first time I heard him, it sounded like a cat in a garbage can. It didn't sound like music. But then my ears caught up, my mind caught up. And it was the same with Elias and his wife. At first, what they were doing was as far ahead of what I'd learned about astrology as Hendrix was from other guitarists. What a, what a, that's a great analogy. I think I, and I had the same experience as you in regard to the first time I heard Jimi Hendrix. It was like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, but then again, you kind of start listening a little bit more and a little bit more. And then, you know, just like with any music, you know, music is the, as you know, is the universal language. And once you start kind of really digging deep into the meaning of it and the sounds of it and the different tones and, and so forth, it connects with us on a different level, which uh, you, you were able to do that with astrology. Is that, how did you guys come up with the, you, you and Elias formed a new astrology called the Star Genesis, um, which helps people connect their core culture, excuse me, their core nature and life purpose. Yeah, you, mostly that? that was, mostly that was Elias. You see, he'd had a dream of Atlantis where he seemed to go back in time into the throne room of Atlantis and he retrieved a whole other way to use the zodiac from that dream but he didn't tell a soul about it he just used it in his readings for wow. 15 years and then one night in our little mystery school he said now i really want to tell you why i've asked all you here because i've been using this whole different system that i never told anyone what i was doing they just thought they were getting readings all of his clients in those years now he said this is what I've been doing all along. And he brought through new understandings of the signs and the houses and the planets. And that's what he called Star Genesis. Now, in the interim, after my first reading with him, but before my first class from him, I'd created soul level astrology because um, the day after he gave me my reading, I decided to open my practice. And I called it soul level astrology because uh, Joseph Campbell had been interviewed by Bill Moyers in The Art of Myth on PBS television. And one of uh, Campbell's final things he said before he died was, the world is dying of a new myth. We need a new creation story. The old ones are, are worn out. And I thought, if I'm going to be an astrologer, I'm going to be coming up with new stories for people, but they got to be stories of the soul, not mm -hmm. stories of the personality, of the ego, they can't be surface tales. And I didn't really know what soul level astrology was when I named my practice, but over the years I found out what it was. Well, your universe was talking to you before you before you had the opportunity to really understand what it was saying, which That's I respect. Right. I respect that. Um, for those out that are listening and watching out there, help us understand when you know this is a different a different approach to astrology. Can you help us understand a little bit about about regular astrology and, and how yours differs. So we're all familiar with, I'm a Libra, I'm a Virgo, I'm a Capricorn, you know, this kind of a thing. Um, can we talk about that just a little bit? Yeah. In my approach, in my new book, The Ruby Heart of the Dragon, you still get to have that. You still get to have, I'm a Virgo, I'm a Capricorn. It's just that what that means becomes something much deeper, more creative, more improvisational, it's, it's more like jazz in the sense where um, rock music can be really great, 
But if you have a successful rock band and you get a, a, a hit song on the radio, you have to sign uh, contracts with the record company that you're going to play the solo the same way as it is on the record every night of the tour. And that would drive me crazy. If you're a jazz musician, even if you've played My Satin Doll a thousand times, each time you play it, it's almost as though you'd never played it before. You have to bring all the living moment, like the Grateful Dead, you have to bring all the living moment to that song, almost as if you'd never heard it before. That's how I do astrology. The birth chart is something that will always remain the same. But every time I do a reading, or even when I wrote the book, every time I look at the sign, I have to act like jazz, almost as if I'd never seen it before. And, and, and that's um, one reason why the astrology that I was taught and, uh, and the version of it that I've developed in those 35 years is, is deeper, more engaging, uh, more creative, more powerful, more magical, more real than uh, traditional astrology gets locked into cliches. It gets very surfacy, like newspaper sun sign columns. And, and the difference between most astrology and the one that I've been taught to use is the difference between an organic feast and a TV dinner. That's kind of a unique, <laughs> that's a unique analogy. <laughs> well, I mean, it's true when you think about it, because those individuals that use typical, typical astrology, you, they'll put out Libra. Today, you're going to, you know, the sunshine is going to be out and you're going to have a creative spurt and you're going to do this, you're going to do that, and but watch out for this. But it goes out to, you know, the masses. And I think there's, from your perspective, and correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, I think your perspective, it allows us a deeper connection with why I'm a Libra. Why, well, my, life, why my day is going to be this way, why this is going to happen this way. It's more personal than just putting a blanket, here you go. Yeah, absolutely, Michael. And one reason why it's different like that is because with soul-level astrology, I don't presume to be the big um, authority who knows everything about you and what you should do. I feel that a deep part of you, your, your core nature, knows who you are, why you're here, and what you're doing better than I ever could. Mm -hmm. And if I can portray how I see that part of you with a verbal portrait, like an impressionistic brushstrokes, then that might resonate strongly enough with you that your normal everyday nature will get in touch with your deeper nature and that's why it's an astrology of the soul yeah that's amazing that's amazing i, lo I love the way you incorporate the fact that you use music and jazz and and you know the brush strokes and as we had a conversation right before we started this i'm i'm really connected to that aspect of life i love creating i I, yeah, I, I believe in art and I believe how you it can touch your soul. I believe in music, how it can touch your soul. You know, I believe in drama, how it can touch your soul and dance. So coming at it from that perspective, I mean, I can feel what you're saying in regard to that. It makes me excited to understand a deeper connection with that than just your your little print. You know, you know, putting something up in the masses that said, today you're going to, you know, eat an apple and 
you know, it's going to taste like a lemon and, you know, don't trip over that crack in the walk. It's, it's a, it's a more meaningful connection. Absolutely. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's really, really cool. And this, in understanding from that perspective, I'm sure that that gives you an opportunity to really help people understand their, well, like, like I just said a second ago, but in, in your opening, it, it allows us to be able to see a deeper core of our soul and where it comes from. Do you, do you think, I know, I, I know I mentioned this earlier, but can, do you think that our soul has lived in the past and that it will carry on into the future? Yes. I, I think that we have past lives and that it's the core part of you or the soul that carries on, even though in each incarnation you have a whole new body, you have a whole new life, that's the new part of being back again. But the old part is that some part of you has already been here before. And that part of you is on a reincarnational arc to explore uh, its own themes, its own incarnational themes. Why did I come back? Why do we come back? Well, the answer is always the same. We came back for reasons of love, but there are as many ways of exploring that theme as there are people on earth. So even though we all come back again for reasons of love and creativity, it takes a whole life for us to figure out how to do that, how to respond to that, how to be true to that. And that's what I call the life art, as though each human being is an art. And in the same way that art has no right or wrongs, unlike algebra, there's no wrong way to throw a pot or paint a picture, but there are remedial, awkward, clumsy attempts to do an art and there are powerful, uh, refined, brilliant ways to do an art. And I help people to fulfill their life art. That's, and I think you also, as you mentioned in some of the notes that I got from, from you and, and your team, um, I, I think from your perspective, you help free the core nature of, of us as a human being. And so we have a better understanding of ourselves and why and can I go as far as to say why we're here and what our purpose might be in life and how we can perpetuate that along the way? Yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm after. I'm after life purpose. I, I help people clear away the conditioned layers that prevent them from awakening their deep core nature, their core purpose. Yeah, I think, and, and I, 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 I respect that from so many levels because I think the society and culture these days um, typically will lock us into what we think or what we should be or what they feel we should be in that, you know, we, we see a lot of unhappy people walking around and sitting at a desk and trudging on to work every morning and trudging on home every, every evening. And, and they, they're, they're, dare I say, they're in a robotic sort of, state of being because it's like, okay, I'm going to do it all again. I really don't want to go to work. I really don't want to be there. It's not just on a Monday. I don't want to be there Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday either. And I have, I have a different approach that I want to, I want to do. I, that's why, and I, and I know I'm probably getting in trouble for saying this. That's why I think COVID, the pandemic was a double-edged sword. It allowed us to be able to reevaluate like what life meaning and purpose really was and what normal 
really was. It gave us a better opportunity. All the people, including like my wife, my wife got to work from home for two, about two and a half years. She got to work from home and it changed the way we did things to where it wasn't the monotony of, oh God, we got to get up at 4.30 in the morning. We got to get you ready. We got to get this done. We got that done. And then you worry about you driving in traffic for an hour, hour and 20 minutes in crappy traffic, you know, and then doing the same thing coming home. And then we get about a three hour window to eat dinner, relax, and then get up and do all over again. We got an opportunity to go out in the mornings and meditate <laughs> and enjoy, have a cup of tea and listen to the birds that, are, that were in the trees, watch the bees and the flowers and the hummingbirds and in the sunshine on her face, watch the sunrise. And then it was a 30 second commute to where she had the, the office set up for her. And, and, the commute home was walking out that door. You know what I mean? And and we're able to have a nice, decent dinner at a decent time and then relax. And either go back out on the back porch or watch TV or have a discussion or listen to music or whatever the case may be. And it gave us an opportunity to say, well, that's a nice work-life balance. And, and maybe this is getting back, quote, quote, getting back to normal because all these individuals, especially corporate, I'm going to sound a little off rocker. The corporate <laughs> world is going, we got to get back to normal. We got to get back to normal. We got to get back to normal. Well, what's to say that isn't normal? From yeah. That perspective, that made us a better connection between ourselves and our souls. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the benefit of crisis is that crisis like COVID comes along or a personal crisis like you went through in your, in your own life. And it tends to strip away the inessential. Yeah, I yes, I agree with that. It it allows us to get a better introspect of of our own lives and where where we are in it presently, and then make adjustments from that perspective. Uh, and you know, it from what I understand from from your version of 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 this astrology, and and being able to connect more with our soul, is this something? For example, this is is this something that that you do once, or is this an ongoing thing? Or is this something that you give? you give guidance as to like, if you were doing this for me and I came to you and I, and you know, part of what I've gone through in, 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 in my journey and things like that, is, is this a one-time thing or is this something that, you know, like now you open up the newspaper, although it's, it's what electronic now I'm <laughs> pretending I'm opening a newspaper shows our age, right? <laughs> You know, in, in, you know, you, you look at your horoscope, but in this particular case, is this something that you present to me or to somebody that, that is seeking you out that we then can manifest our daily routine based on that? How does that work? Can we it works different ways for different people. Some, some people come to me once and get what they need for the rest of their life. Some people have had 10, 20, 30 readings from me in the last uh, 35 years. So it's all it's all different use. And the readings are recorded so that um, usually, like when you're reading a really great book or play, um, one, one hearing of the information is just the introduction to it. If you're, if, if you're reading Hamlet, or even if you're reading uh, Lord of the Rings or really, really great poetry, your first introduction to it is hinting of many other layers. So when I'm doing a reading for someone, 
the reading experience itself is just the beginning. It's just the introduction. It's recorded. And I advise my clients to transcribe the recordings because if you put it in writing, sometimes it's easier to get to those deeper layers. So much comes out in the session. And sometimes I'm looking ahead. I'm talking about a certain part of the person that hasn't fully happened yet. I'm giving them something to kind of grow toward. Some people want more of that. Some people want long sessions, like a, a, a double or a triple session or three-day session. Some people get enough from one or two or three and others, others come back. And I think that we do that. I, 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 from a teacher perspective, you know, I used to be an instructor um, for courses and things like that for the police department, for example. And I know that for certifications and for teaching people things, you know, we, we had to recertify people once a year so they would refresh their knowledge in regard to what they were doing, whatever, whichever they were there for their additional training. I think creating an atmosphere where we have control of our own education, our, our own insight and our own direction gives us a sense of freedom that allows us to be able to say, hey, I have a choice. Would yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And if you think of a work of literature like King Lear, um, you know, you could read King Lear when you're 12 and then when you're 80, and it's almost like an entirely different book. Yep. How could the book of a person's soul be any less multi-layered than that? We, we each have layers on layers. We each have subcells. And I try to hint toward that irony, mm -hmm. toward that poetry, toward that paradox, but I put it in, in, new, in new terms. And if what I'm saying to the person resonates on a deep level, then their inner nature and me sandwich up on their daily ego self and their poor little ego self doesn't have a choice. It's, it's double teamed. <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a great way of putting that. That's, <laughs> Yeah, it's like, yeah, we got you. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, that's pretty cool, actually. Um, I'm, I'm going to regress just a little bit here because I think I'm, I kind of missed this and I wanted to talk about it. In 1987, you and your wife founded the College of Visionaries and Wizards. It's an online school that teaches students to read astrology charts in the deepest, most soulful way. I mean, that's something that still is ongoing, correct? Yeah, that was 2007, and it's still going. The College of Visionaries and Wizards is where I teach a three-year program and it teaches students around the world once a week live on Zoom how to not just read the birth chart from the soul, but how to live by the soul. Once a year, our students, who the ones who can make it, come meet with us in our home in Vermont, which is, that's coming up in three weeks. By the way, we're finishing the first year of a three-year program, which means this summer, new students can come in and join us if they want to, and they can contact me through my website if they want to find out about coming in to join us. My wife, Marcella, teaches classes there too, and some of our graduate students also teach other classes, but it's mostly the three-year program is the part of it that I teach. So can I ask you, when, because people might question, you know, when you call yourself a wizard, can you help us understand what that what that word means, what that, what that means to you and what you present to the world. I think being a wizard 
means a lot of things, but one of the main things is um, I understand the magic of navigation. Uh, most people think of navigation or terrestrial navigation as the four directions, north, south, east, west. But when you're orienting to the heavens, to the constellations, to the planets, externally and inwardly to your past lives. One of the first things I look at when I'm studying someone's birth chart is what issues have they been working on in their past lives? That tells me what they might have left over in this life. And so I'm orienting, I'm navigating, I'm helping place your life, not just in relation to your family, and your mate or your friends and your job and your children or your home and your politics and your health. I'm going to place you in those things, but even more, I'm going to expand through a galactic reach how I see you fitting in with the universe and what the universe inside you appears like. That's one definition of being a wizard. Yeah, I think that works. I mean, I, 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 I think we all, in one aspect or another, have the ability to be a wizard because it, it allows us to understand the magic of the world. I mean, Absolutely. when you stop and look around you and you hear and you see what you see, you see the tree growing, you see the flowers that bloom overnight, you see the insects and the birds and the bees and how they work. And, and you know, that to me, that's magic. 100%. It is. There's, there's deep, profound magic in being alive. In, in showing up as the full being with all of your senses, with all of your presence, that is magical. Yeah, one hundred percent. I agree with it one hundred percent. I um, there's something you mentioned a, a second ago about um, in connection and everything in, in kind of healing. You wrote a book called Cosmic Weather Report. It tells tales of uh, regeneration and healing. In from that perspective, it, you I mean you said something just a few minutes ago about the fact that we can. We can kind of heal and understand where we are. Uh, the The Cosmic Weather Report. That's a really interesting title, by the way. It's you know it's, uh, it makes you really ponder what that what that means. Uh, can we talk about the ability for us to be able to regenerate and heal? Uh, are you talking? Yeah. If, if, forgive me for one, because I want to clarify. Is that is the is the regeneration and healing a um, I won't say multi-generational. Are you talking about layers of layers of the soul? Or are you talking about from a physical or emotional side? Or, or a combination of all of that? It's, it's a combination of all of that. Because once a person awakens to the force of creative power within them, the force of love, the, the, the miracle of, of, of being alive, which usually people don't fully wake up to that miracle unless they have a trauma, unless they have a crisis, unless they have a near-death experience or some other kind of thing. When, uh, when their hold on normalcy and its false security gets eradicated by some powerful crisis or transformation, often that's when the illusion gets stripped away and the person wakes up to, oh, I never realized it there's that there's this much here to even just being alive to even just thinking of who I am to even my love relationship 
even my sexuality, my music, my thoughts, that there's that much here. When a person wakes up to that, a healing force gets sent through them because they're no longer negating their own existence. Their own nature is no longer contested territory that unconsciously draws parasitic thought forms and, uh, and illnesses. It, it, that deep soul awakening sends a radiance through the whole system physiologically and uh, psychically. And, and that, that energy is, says yes, uh, rather than no or maybe. And, and that's, that's part of the healing. Yeah, and you can see the energy when you're talking about that. For those that are just listening to the podcast, you can see the energy emanate from you just when you even talk about <laughs> it. You know, this aura just blows out of there. It, it's yeah. you can see it radiate from you. That's you know what an what an amazing opportunity for somebody to be able to connect with that and understand that because we all have things in our past we want to heal. We all have things that we don't understand why something bothers us. Why does it irritate me that that I'm late? You know. Or, or even even five minutes or two minutes late, you know it should be right on time. Or that old cliche, you know, if you're not ten minutes before, you're late. You know, why does it irritate me so like that? Why does it irritate me about this or that? Or why am I so frustrated with this? That helps us to get, I think, a better understanding of where that might have come from and how to resolve that, so you can have a more relaxed thing. Well, you know, if I get there, it's not going to bother me that bad. And you know, that's that right. Perspective. That's right. When you when you cancel your grudge with existence, a kind of magic energy comes in. And uh, I think humanity has gotten conditioned out of its own existence, its own presence. And and you get a zombie population walking around the world half asleep and and really thinking on some level there's something wrong. There's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with them. There's something wrong with this. And it takes a lot of deep uh, love to wash that stuff away and start coming from the place with how right it is that you exist. Not that everything that happens is right. Not that, not, I'm not saying stop ignoring the, the wrong, but just on a fundamental primal level, you have to get right with your own existence. I agree with that. I I, just had a, I really had a great conversation a, a couple of weeks ago in regard to this lady had actually come out and said that she feels that because of the way society and culture is going, that mankind might be on the verge of extinction because they've lost humanity, we've lost compassion, we've lost love, we've lost so many things that have been because of circumstances and, and, and so forth in the world that we're living in today, that people stopped opening their eyes, their hearts, and their souls, their eyes, their ears, their hearts, and their souls. And, and it, it, we have to be able to pause, I think, and be able to take in that, open our eyes, open our, open our ears, open our compassion, open our hearts, open our souls, and realize that we are part of all of this. This belongs to us. Humanity belongs to us. The, the cosmic, the universe belongs to us. And that we're all connected from that perspective. So, yeah, I, I love that. Um, <clears throat> if we can touch upon the ruby heart of the dragon, you say it's a radical revision of these sun signs and should be. Um, it, it, how does how does that play into everything that we've we built up to till now? The regular astrology, your involvement into the soul, 
portion of that and being able to give a more deeper um, approach to how we how that connects to our soul um, is is the ruby heart of the dragon uh, in involvement from that or is it still in implementation or maybe mixed? The Ruby Heart of the Dragon is a book I spent the last four years and three months writing, seven days a week. I was using all of my power as an astrologer and as a writer to tear down the cliches and the superficialities of each of the 12 zodiac signs and to build each one back up from the soul. In that, that book is out now, it's finally out. Uh, the, both the ebook and the print book are for sale on amazon.com or Barnes and Noble, or you can uh, ask your local bookstore to order it. And the, um, th the audio book version will be out soon as well. So I'm super excited. The Ruby Heart of the Dragon, Sun Signs for Our Times. I treat each sign as this magnificent, fascinating, and dangerous country. It's almost like a travel book where I, I guide readers into this land of Gemini, into this country of Aquarius. And I describe what I see there um, in, in, it, in its full magical ways so that even if you're an astrology student or teacher, even if you're an astrologer who's been doing this for 50 years professionally, you're going to find an entirely new version of each of the signs. And if you're somebody new to astrology, uh, it's going to be really fascinating. The dragon part is that um, Arabian astrologers came up with names for what we call the north and south nodes of the moon, the karmic points in the birth chart that indicate where you've been in past lives and where you're trying to get to in this life. They called where you've been the dragon's tail. And they called where you're trying to go the dragon's head. I see your sun sign as the ruby heart of the dragon located right in between what you're trying to let go of from the past and where you're trying to get in this life. So that's where the title, The Ruby Heart of the Dragon, comes from. I think that's a brilliant, a brilliant way of um, expressing to individuals that, again, it goes back to we have control. We just have to make a choice as to whether or not we want to mm -hmm. grasp a hold of that, that opportunity for us to have control. Because it, I, it was interesting what you said earlier about you know the the, the zombie walk around. The everybody is on that, and, and I mentioned it kind of myself. Everybody is on this like auto mode. I got to get up in the morning gotta go to work, I gotta do this, I gotta come home, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta do this. You you give us an opportunity to be able to kind of say, what is a soul? Let's ask that question. What What is a soul? I mean, you, you we talked see. about bringing stuff from the past and, and how it projects to us and how we can move the, you know, it's gonna make follow us to the future. So, you know, can you help us understand exactly what is a soul? Sure, Michael. In my definition, I see the soul as the part of you that's been here before. It's your core nature. That part of you is something that you're not always in touch with. 
And so most of us aren't always in touch with the deeper part of ourself. You could also call it your higher nature or your core nature or your soul. And, and I feel that that part of you knows exactly where you've been in past lives, why you came back again, where you're trying to go and how to get there. It's just that the normal everyday part of our consciousness isn't always in touch with that part. So I view my work as, as being a bridge so that the part of you that's running your everyday life has more access to the deeper soul part. Yeah, I, I do believe that, you know, I, I we're energy. I mean, do you agree with that? I think we're all, we're energy. And that energy within us continues to move forward. And I think that that energy within us can connect with the universe at such a level that we have that better understanding. And the way I see it, you kind of are a guide in connecting that energy with the universe and, and where we're supposed to be at this point. How does, excuse me. <coughs> Sorry. And I think you've kind of connected and shown how how our soul can connect to astrology. I think that, at least from your perspective, because it gives us a deeper understanding of who we are individually as well as a collective, um, unless I'm reading that wrong. I, I, I think that, that um, at least from my perspective, I think that we're all connected at some point. We're all human beings. We all, that's why we, we are, we love the people we love. That's why we hate the people we hate. I, I, don't, I don't like to hate people. So when I say that, but I'm in, in, in a general sense, I think we as human beings, that's why we like somebody, that's why we dislike somebody, that's why we love this or we hate that, that's why we want to do this and why we don't want to do that. Everything like this resonates with us within ourselves. And if we have a better understanding of why, I think it helps us to be able to define what our purpose is. Everybody wants purpose. We all want purpose. You know, that's why when we're growing up, we always say, why, why, why is the sky blue? Why am I here? What am I going to do in life? What profession do I want to do? You know, I had to redefine my purpose. I thought my purpose was to be a police officer. And it was at that time. And I had a small career. I won't say small, it was almost 17 years. I had a career in law enforcement. But then I had to redefine my purpose. So from that perspective and what you just said, we, and, and help us to understand this, we have the ability, if we're at some point in our life where we feel we need to make change, we have the ability to redefine our purpose, correct? Yeah, that's that's right. Because astrology, the way I see it, is not the be-all and end-all of existence. It de your birth chart doesn't confine you to having to be a certain way. It's just like a glimpse of your celestial mandala. It's like your cosmic DNA. And, and, and so when I'm fishing around in there, both when I wrote the book and when I'm doing uh, private readings for people, I'm, I'm trying to portray how I view your optimal destiny so that the various possible futures that are streaming toward you at any given time, you can awaken an inner force of awareness that might help you draw the optimal future out of all the different possibilities. It's a co-creative destiny. 
I don't look at the stars to take away your your choice. I I I fully believe in people's free will, but it's free will within a pattern, within a grand design. It's not just total random free will, but nor is it a controlled version of astrology. I'm finding something like songwriting. It's almost as if the song was already there, wanting to come in. And, and yet, unless you rise toward it and really work it and sculpt it, um, you're not going to create that life art. You're going to get you're going you're going to end up with a lesser variation. Do you think we design our? Yeah, you know, I I've heard this in different conversations that I've had. There's the reason I'm asking. Do you feel that we have designed our path in life prior to coming back into this being we are today? That we have laid that out. What we want to learn. I mean, it's kind of. I, I won't say. I guess. I guess it would be predestined. I do, but I feel it's a collaborative design. I don't feel it was solely up to us. I feel it's it's like a three-way collaboration. Like these three people get together to write a movie or a play. One of them is your soul. One of them is the higher spirit forces, and the other is Earth, because I think they all have needs, and I see Earth as a sentient being. I don't see Earth as an insensate hunk of rock, but as a living being, and so I think. We do design our lives, but we don't have total say over it. That makes sense. I understand that. Do you think that the um, our egos get in the way of understanding that from a different, from a deeper perspective? Well, I think that's an interesting question, Michael, because I think that our egos do get in the way, but I think they also help us achieve it. Because unless you have a good, strong selfhood. It's hard to really channel the evolutionary forces because the container is weak. But if your selfhood is too dense, if ego is too separative and and conceited, then the evolutionary forces can't work with you because you're like a a castle with the drawbridge up. So I think you do need a good strong selfhood. And ego is a funny thing. I think it, it both gets in the way, but also assists. Yeah, I agree with that. I think you know, without ego, you have to. We have to have some form of ego and allow us to be able to have the strength and the courage to move forward or pass something. You know, that's you right. Yeah, if you didn't have that, then you know you wouldn't be able to. Step no, out of you'd a be like, yeah, you'd be like one of those street people who are always talking because they, there's no self there. Right. All the psychic forces took them over. So yeah, yeah. between too much ego and not enough, that, that that's where you got it. That's, that's you where you got to go. be. <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, that's it. That's an interesting way of putting that. I like. I love that actually. Um, so the I know that you you've written you've written three books, correct? Yeah. So I know, and you also have a newsletter, which we'll talk about here in a second. Um, but you have a newsletter that people can come on to about the cosmic portion of it. And I think that that's a that's an interesting opportunity for people to get a better understanding. How often does that go out? For example, once a month, and it's free. They just have to go to my website to sign up. Just from there, I think that would give people some insight. I think we all want insight into our into our lives at some point. We all, I mean, who doesn't want to really know what's happening to me? Where am I going to be? You know, what am I supposed to be doing? You know, I know that there are a lot of us that have been in a position where we kind of go, "Why am I here?" and and where should I be? I mean, I, we all ask that question. Where should I be in life? Where should I head? What direction? You walk a path, and 
I mean, there's a cliche when I say this, so forgive me for the cliche, but you come to a fork in the road and we all want to know whether or not we should take the left side or the right side or go right down the middle. You know, we, we want to know the direction. We don't always have somebody there to tell us or somebody there to push us in the right direction or pull us in the right direction. It's like when I was going through rehab, I found around me, and I might get a little emotional because I always do, I had my family, I had my colleagues, I had those that were with me that I hadn't recognized before because of ego, that I hadn't recognized before, that allowed me, that pushed me when I needed it. They pulled me when I needed it. They walked beside me when I needed it. And it allowed me to take my journey from that perspective. And I think that we, as as a human being, need to understand that those, there are those out there, like yourself, that we have the opportunity to ask for help, to get the push, to get the pull, to get the, hey, I've got some direction for you. And from that perspective, I, I am grateful that you're here. So thank you for, obviously, this well, didn't, isn't quite over yet, but um, I just want to say that. Thank you for here, because you, you, you can be a guide in that perspective to allow people to understand that, yeah, there is something else. It's one more thing before you go. It, there is there is an opportunity that there is something else out there that may be for me and you help them put them on that path so uh, that's pretty cool actually thank you i appreciate i appreciate that well it, you know that, i'm sure that gives you some self-satisfaction as well i mean it it's got to make you feel it has to make you feel good that you were able to touch people from a different level you know when you when you reach out and connect with somebody's soul you know that's got to be an amazing experience actually <laughs> it is i've I feel incredibly um, lucky and uh, honored that I've, since 1987, I've made my living by talking about the soul with other human beings and and looking really deep in them and making a difference a difference in their lives. So uh, I do see myself as a guide more than anything else. So thank that's you. That's a good for thing. And you see people's that. souls too. So you know, I've been I was in a position where I saw people that would appear to be soulless. And, and you could see that in their eyes. It's like you could look deep in there and say, you don't even have a soul. You know, I can't believe that you've done this. You know, and to be able to reach and connect with that, it's, yeah, that's pretty cool. So you, you um, <clears throat> excuse me, let's talk a little bit about your, um, your training. And I know that you've got classes and you've got, uh, again, there's your three books that we've got up. You've got classes, you've got uh, mentoring, you've got astrological um uh, uh, readings and so forth. So help us understand what you have to offer and um, uh, how to get in touch with you. Sure. Markborax.com, like it says right there, will run down my readings, my classes, my books. There's a, a specific page called the Ruby Heart of the Dragon.com because that's the new book that's out now. Uh, the print version is still in pre sale. It's going to be uh, fully delivered on June 13th. The ebook a person can get in seconds, and the audiobook will be out soon. I send out a free monthly email uh, newsletter called the Cosmic Weather Report, which is the same title as the, as the book that you show here. The Cosmic Weather Report newsletter you can sign up for free. It's it's my take on what's going on. Uh, in the universe each month. And I am teaching in the College of Visionaries and Wizards. I am teaching a three-year 
chart study program where I teach students how to live from the soul and read astrology charts from the soul. We've finished the first year out of the current group, but there's room for students to come in next fall if they want to join that one in motion. Otherwise, it's every three years we start a new group. And uh, my other book that's there, 2012, Crossing the Bridge to the Future, was my first book. And it's a memoir about my apprenticeship to a wild wizard. And the, the classes that you have, Turning Karma into Grace, I love that. That's well, you know what mm -hmm. I, I I love the word opportunity as you probably figured out because we all have an we have opportunity in life and we can choose to take the opportunity or we can ignore that opportunity but this is a great opportunity for us to understand karma and how we fit into that that's pretty cool um, <clears throat> Mark thank you very much for sharing your journey with us I really appreciate what you do for the world and you know this has been a great conversation I hope that we've been able to kind of inspire some people to understand there's a deeper self that we could uh, have, an, have a chance to kind of explore and that there is more to us than what's on the outside or what's been indoctrinated into us from society and culture and that we have, we have uh, a choice that we can look into our soul. So thank you for being here. I really appreciate what you do. And you are so welcome, Michael. It's been my pleasure. So everybody out there, again, I'll put, the, I'll put everything in the show notes as well so that uh, you can uh, follow and find Mark and uh, find out about the classes, his website, the books, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It'll all be there. And one more thing before you all go. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is one more thing before you go. So before we go, do you have any words of wisdom you can share? Live from the soul. Think that the, your most positive vision of what life could be actually might be the truest thing rather than something that you're just dreaming of. Profound words of wisdom. Thank you very much for that. Now, one more thing before you all go. Have a great day, have a great week, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go. Check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform.